0: What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast version 242, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled.
1: If not entertained.
0: Yes, and you shall be. This is another one of those really weird podcasts for us that none of you guys listening will realize. But we like telling you about it anyway, because we're recording a part of it prior to the double game sevens. And then we'll come back later and and see what happens. I mean, we could see two seasons end or two stunning seasons continue tonight, which is kind of awesome. But before we get into that, let's tell you about the attorneys at Greening Law. Maybe this was the weekend as it was for me 10 months ago that you were hurt in a car accident. Maybe you experienced malpractice from a physician or a hospital or you were injured on the premises of a business. You need to call the lawyers at Greening Law. They've represented clients covering all those different things. And the reality of it is they take care of that crap behind the scenes truly so that you can focus, especially in car accidents and whatnot, you focus on healing, you focus on getting renewed while they're handling the insurance companies.
1: Dude, and that's what you want, man. This situation's stressful enough without you trying to walk through it by yourself. So what you do is you pick up the phone, you call the number,
0: give them the number, man. The number is very easy, it's 972-934-8900. See, you dial that 972-934-8900, and you say, hey,
1: here's my deal, what do you think? And if they say, yes, we think that's the case we can handle and take care of it for you, hey, it's your lucky day, because they take care of everything. They walk you through the process, the green team is phenomenal at what they do, and they don't collect any fees, they don't collect any money, they don't collect anything, unless you get paid, which means you never, ever, ever got to wonder just how hard they're
0: working for you. Exactly, man. Consultation's free, so give them a call, 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening, call now, offices, Dallas, Texas, which is where two teams, this is never, and I thought this was wild. When the Stars won the other night, we all knew that their game was going to be on Sunday evening. And then when the Mavs won the other night, for a while, it looked like they might be Sunday at 2.30, but it just depended based on what happened with Boston and Milwaukee. Well, Milwaukee did us no favors. Boston wins the game, so they get the 2.30 slot. So the Stars and the Mavs, and, and we're, again, recording part of this beforehand, this has never happened in sports history where two teams from the same city are playing a game seven on the same day. That's wild, man. And we're experiencing this today, and I don't know how to feel about this. You know, I figure, okay, so I'm going to have to roll out my second TV that I use for college football sometimes. I'm going to have the Mavs on the main TV because they go first. The good news is, and we'll see how this times out later, Followell was saying on Twitter that because there's not like a game like running into the Mavs game, that they are scheduled to tip right at 7.01 and not like 7.10 or 7.15 or something like that.
1: Oh well that's great for you. Sucks for me. Uh my dude is graduating. Yes, uh, I'll take all the applause for that. Um he's graduating next week, but they got a baccalaureate tonight.
0: Uh at six o'clock. Yeah, that'll run into
1: the Mavs game. <laughs> nah, it's only supposed to last an hour. Mm-hmm. Sure. But I don't I don't trust any organized event. So let's hope it lasts an hour. And let's hope I can uh hurriedly get home uh after
0: that. I hope so man because then the the thing about hockey is that the Stars are slated for puck drop at 8:30. That won't I guarantee you they won't drop the puck till 8:45. Early, maybe even 8:50. So if they go at 8:45, the good news is we might be able to get pretty much through the third quarter before the Stars game even begins, which is nice.
1: Yeah, but then, bro, if if it's a typical game 7 hockey game, it's going to be 1-1, 1-nothing, 2-1. And God help us if they go to overtime.
0: Yeah, we don't want the overtime, not in the late game. <laughs> but I, I got to tell you, man, and in, in, in both these series, you know, we've talked about the Mavs, but the Stars the other night on Friday night, the win that they had, it, it was—I I don't know that anybody saw the way that they won that game, complete control, up to nothing, allowed Calgary to get back in it, and then were able to come through. They finally got some scoring, and Ottinger has been the difference. They've been talking about it, and we'll see what happens tonight. But it's really, really cool as a Dallas sports fan that we get to experience both these things happening tonight with two of our teams.
1: Now it is uh, it is the epitome of cool, man. Uh, You know, it's a lot of tension, it's a lot of nerves, it's a lot of angst. You know, because dude, there's two more weeks of entertainment probably if one of these two teams wins. Yeah, and if it's not, then then the unofficial dead season begins tomorrow. And that's when you start hearing about people's kids and people come up with, hey, have you got your list from last year ready? Uh, <laughs> hey, or, or, or my favorite topic, who's better, Man. LeBron or Michael?
0: Uh-oh, watch out. Oh. There it is. Call you on the air. Yes,
1: 10 reasons why LeBron James will never top Michael Jordan. <laughs> uh, that's, that's where it begins. Now, you know, me and Matt have never rolled like that, but a whole yeah. lot of people do. And so, uh, you know, that's uh, selfishly you hope that this season lasts forever uh, and <laughs> that they can really go make it happen. I think Calgary's got to, I mean, I think the Stars have a better chance to win than the Mavericks, but uh, because a hot goalie can carry you in a game yeah. seven. And the Mavericks, the thing I'm interested in, I was talking to one of my boys about this yesterday. Does Luka get, uh, does Luca get off, make sure the Mavs get off by a good start by being aggressive and asserting himself? Or does he say, "I gotta have my guys tonight for us to win"? I can get mine whenever. Let me see if I can get my
0: guys involved early. Yeah, I, I, I we'll see. I kind of feel like Luca's gonna have one of those Luca-type games. Hopefully, he shoots better because his his he's been scoring a lot, but he's been taking a lot of shots. So hopefully, he's got a higher percentage tonight. I just hope we actually get a game that's not a blowout. But the way this entire series has gone, we'll see. But I did think that this was interesting. Since they're both on the road in the NBA, road teams have won Game 7 22% of the time. In the NHL, road teams have won Game 7 41% of the time. So obviously, as you said, and it, of course, makes sense, if Ottinger's on and has played the way that we've seen him play all series, the Stars can win. The weird thing is, if only one of them can win, I kind of hope it's the Mavs because if the Mavs win and beat Phoenix, they can win an NBA championship. I don't know that the stars can say the same because then you're really banking on Ottinger playing this way for three more series.
1: I feel you on that. I mean, I think if the Mavericks win, I mean, you've beaten the best team in the league, team that had the best record, team that had the best road record, team that was at full strength. There's no reason for you to think that you can't uh, win uh, against anybody else you play, and they've had success against all the other teams left in the playoffs. Yeah, man. So if they can if they can figure out a way by hook or by crook, as my mama used to say, win tonight, then it's on and popping dog. We may have a repeat of 2011 where they come out of the blue and go to the finals.
0: Yeah, and, and I will say, I mean, from a personal standpoint, I'd love to see the Stars win because a lady friend, she really enjoys watching the Stars. So she'll really pay attention to those games when we have them on. Not so much with the Mavs. She'll she'll kind of look up when I make a noise. I'm like, oh my God, did you see that? And she'll be like, what? what is it? But the stars she gets into. So I like that part of it. How about this? In the NBA, there have been 22 series where the home team won all seven games. And there have been six series where the home team won the first six games like we've seen in this Mavs Sun series and the road team won game seven. It's only ever happened six times. Maybe we'll see it tonight.
1: So you're saying there's a chance.
0: Oh, there's a chance, man. And it is really cool. It's just really cool we get to experience this. And I got to tell you, man, I put up this tweet last night that apparently a lot of people like. But again, I live in Birmingham, Alabama. And last night, I'm, I'm at a brewery called Trim Tab Brewing, which we love, one of our favorite breweries here. I'm walking into the brewery, and I have never, I've lived in Birmingham now for 10, nine months, whatever it's been. I've right. seen one guy who ever who has been walking has a Stars jersey on. This is the second time in in 9 months living here. The dude was sitting there in a Dallas Stars hat and I, I like I was like I walked over to the guy go, "Oh my god, go Stars, man." Like what? How are you a Stars fan? Like why are you what's going on with this?" And he was like, "I don't know." He goes, "I just I liked hockey when I was a little kid. And I was like, did you grow up in Dallas? He's like, no, I'm from here. And I was like, and you're a Stars fan? <laughs> and he said that he liked hockey as a little kid. And he got in on it when Mike Modano and the Stars were good in the late 90s. And he's been a fan ever since. And we talked about the game a little bit. And then at the same brewery, this is true. At the same brewery, I'm sitting there at the table. And a dude walks by in a Luka Doncic jersey. Wow. And I'm just sitting that? here going, what is going on? Is, are there sports guards going, hey, man, we got you? Like a, a stars hat and a fan, and then a totally different guy in a Mavs jersey, and he was a Mavs fan. I couldn't believe it.
1: Dude, well, it'd be nice if they got you because, <laughs> uh, dude. The- uh mass can get by tonight. It'll be fun city for the next 2 weeks.
0: Oh, it'll be phenomenal city for the next 2 weeks. So we'll see so for us we're going to continue another conversation and for you guys we're just going to tell you about a sponsor and then we'll be back to tell you what we thought about the games that happened. <laughs> but let's do tell you about Bruce Biltong and if you haven't got a chance to grab your biltong yet, man, what are you like honestly, what are you waiting for? Because everybody to some degree likes beef jerky. Some people are like, oh, I don't know, I kind of like it, it's too tough. Yeah, biltong isn't. Biltong is savory. It's, I think, more tender. It's very, very healthy. It's zero sugar, no artificial ingredients. It's kind of like beef jerky, but it's a traditional South African air-dried meat. You can get yours at brewsbiltong.com. I don't know why you wouldn't buy now. I don't know why you wouldn't either. It's terrific. Boy, my
1: voice sounded awfully high then, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> It really did. But why wouldn't you key get the Bruce Biltong?
0: Go online and get it.
1: You should get the booze biltong and then it'll give you some bass in your voice <laughs> because it's delicious no longer will people take your lunch money all you have to do is eat biltong get that 40 grams of protein and that little two ounce patch pouch and go for it boy it's almost like i'm smoking weed but i'm not
0: man so, you know did you take an edible or something
1: <laughs> no i had no edibles either although Friend of mine said, "Should we do a show on edibles or weed one day?" Holy go,
0: crap, man! That would be interesting.
1: I don't know. I go. Matt, might, might, might be down for that. The yeah, occasional I mean, after dark. Let's do it on a on a on a blunt on a edible uh, thing. If it's be uh, interesting. You know, legal legal okay. in your city or Delta right. Eight or whatever. Yeah. Whatever your smoke of choice is. Sure. Okay. When you have teenagers, you have to learn all of these
0: things. Yeah, you got to learn the lingo. And, and this is turned they'll into. They'll be the... talking
1: about that stuff in front of you. F- oh, I forgot this was a Biltong commercial. <laughs> <laughs> You're
0: so, about... Biltong, grab it, eat it. It's delicious. And maybe you get to Munchies afterwards. Maybe you will, and you just <laughs> chow through a whole bag of Biltong, man. It's Bruise Biltong, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, BruiseBiltong.com. Use the promo code JAM15 at checkout. You get 15% off your order every time.
1: That must be the greatest
0: commercial ever. Maybe it is, man. Who knows? It's the only commercial that you'll ever hear where people are talking about something and then go down the rabbit hole of edibles and then come back to the thing. <laughs> and it made sense because we were talking about food. There you go. (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) Oh, that was fantastic. (laughs) That's funny. All right, so these Dallas Mavs, and again, we're recording this. At At this point, this is after the Stars game. So, like, there are people, and I get the emotion of it and what we were watching with the Dallas Mavericks, who are going to the Western Conference Finals, where they will take on the Golden State Warriors for a chance at either Miami or Boston in an NBA championship, they got to get past the Warriors. Why? I, I don't know how to describe. I don't think anybody knows how to describe what we saw today. An absolute slaughter.
1: Um, it was a continuation of Game Six. It's really what it was. Uh, but you know, here's the wild thing. I'm not shocked the Mavericks won. I'm surprised they won. I'm not shocked that they won. Um, we talked about it. I believe I was trying to. Fig- I was trying to figure out and remember what I said before the game. Uh, but whatever anybody said about the Mavericks winning, oh, I remember one thing I said. But whatever anything anybody said about the Mavericks winning, somebody had to give you a game. You know, you figured Luca's going to do something. You figure Brunson's going to do kind of what he's been doing, but somebody else, Finney Smith. Dinwiddie, uh, Bullock, you know, Bertan, somebody, Kleber, somebody got to give you a game. And, dude, they got
0: it. Dinwiddie showed up. Dinwiddie, 11 of 15 from the field, hit five three-pointers, had 30 points, second high behind Luka Doncic. And, see, I, I had a feeling when Luka came out and made, like, his first three shots, I was like, okay, Luka's about to go off here. And he, for whatever – I mean, that dude is like – he's like the Reggie Jackson of playoff basketball. Well, you know, man, I was thinking about it. It's just – and you've
1: mentioned it a few times over the couple of years he's been here for For whatever idiots haven't figured it out now. The dude is a, just like a legitimate special talent. I mean, this is really – like watching Allen Iverson when he was playing in Philly or watching Jordan or LeBron, this is what you got. Um, You got a guy who's going to end his career as an iconic NBA player where we'll be discussing, you know, is he top 10 all the time? Is he top 5? Is he top 15? Where does he kind of fit? And it's going to be all about how many championships he can win and stuff like that. But this is this is really like one of the top one or two players in the nba and you got them on your team and you're seeing the difference between legitimate iconic nba superstar level talent and even star talent or you, you know you, you know because there's tiers to superstars man there's superstars who are iconic and then there's other kinds of superstars And he's at the, you know, top 1%. He's on the path to that.
0: He's on that path. Uh, And it, it very well may start this year because knocking off Phoenix and doing it the way they did, I mean, they end up winning by 33 instead of, they were up by 45, 46 points at one point. In a game seven on the road, which is absurd, the absolute collapse. I mean, Phoenix, they didn't have it at all, the entire damn game. I thought the Dallas defense early on had a lot to do with that. Phoenix shot 24% in the first half. I I don't think that I ever thought I would watch an NBA playoff basketball game where an NBA team that won 64 games that went 32-9 and on their home court this year. The Phoenix Suns scored 27 points in the first half. You know what it is, bro? Yeah, the Mavericks defense was phenomenal.
1: But, and I'm not breaking any news here, but I've said this a thousand times. I've written it a bunch. And usually in one line or two lines in a column or something. Dude, these guys are at the highest level of professional sports. And for a moment, it doesn't matter what sport we're talking about. We're talking about pro sports. Whoever's in pro sports is at the highest level, you know, of competition in the world or what they do, but they can still lack confidence, man. And when Dallas came out, especially Luka, and they started the game fast, Whatever hangover they had from game one, they're like, Oh shit. These guys aren't the home court is not going to win it for us. We gotta actually go play. And their guys couldn't couldn't match Luca, man.
0: No, they couldn't match Luca at all. I mean, he ends up thirty-five and ten, and that's without playing in the fourth quarter.
1: And he only took nineteen shots. See, that's what we were talking about. Not that thirty-five points on thirty-one shots. Yeah. That's Allen Iverson, man look at his best is what he did tonight 35 points 19 shots yeah hit six threes
0: uh, i mean he he was he was dominant and, and they, he dominated this game and then dinwiddie came along with him brunson started to show up a little bit i mean it was they led by 10 at the end of the first quarter and you started getting the feeling i felt like going into the second quarter you're like man this and i i was texting a couple of friends and i was like well phoenix is going to make a run at some point like the, like surely phoenix is going to make a run But then it got to 12 points, and then it was 14 points, and then it got like to 16 points, and I was like, man, and and we're all still waiting for Phoenix to make this run, and when it was 30 points at the half, I said, this game's over. Like, it's done. The the, the game is over at halftime.
1: Even I didn't go that far because we've seen the Mavericks blow a 30-point lead once to the Lakers. Uh, We've seen things happen in the NBA with a three-point shot, it can get, it can get. I mean, dude, we've seen teams blow twenty five point leads in the playoffs. Well, it was it, uh, see,
0: it's because of the way Phoenix was playing. Like, they, they weren't going to come out and just flip a switch. and be Like, oh, we should start playing better now. Well, you could see in the second quarter in their body language, in the way that like, Chris Paul was looking around, and Booker was not yapping. Booker was all sullen and the way he was looking was like they're done. Like this team is done. Dude, I
1: see it. I did not believe it. I was still like, I'm ninety nine percent sure they're done but I need this first five minutes of the third quarter to make sure that they're done. Like, you know, you start the third quarter, 10-0 run, and it's a 20-point game, and it's like they start to believe, even though they were down by 30. But instead, what happened? I think the Mavs came out and scored the first eight or something. Brunson, somebody had a big three. Yeah, it was was a
0: 35-point lead, like, right off the bat. And at that point, like, once it got to 32 even, because there's never been the largest comeback in NBA playoff history was 31 points. And I was like, this is too good of a Mavs defense with Luka. There is no way in hell Phoenix is coming back in this game.
1: Now, see, that's the key point, man. See, here's what happened for me, because I told you I had to go to uh, my dudes graduating, in case I haven't said that enough this week. And so now you got all these graduation activities you got to participate in or prepare for or help him prepare for or whatever. And it was uh, the baccalaureate was tonight. And so uh, I get in the car after the deal. Uh, and it was, it was actually pretty good for a baccalaureate. And I'm um, taking some pictures with a few of his f- friends. Uh, so I get in the car, and I go, okay, let me check the score. I go, it's, I forget what it was. It was like 7.30. I said, okay, they should be midway through the second quarter. Mm. I said, well, let me check the score, and that'll tell me whether I really think the Mavericks have a shot. And I turned the score on, man, and I think at that point it was – Thirty-four twenty-two, and I was like oh snap Yeah, are off to the proper start uh and then I'm like you so once I got home and got settled I'm like the the Mavericks defense is such this season that they're not going to give up I mean once they reach a certain point the odds of them giving up the lead is just not gonna happen and really when it got to 20 I was thinking that but you know Heartbreak over the years lets you not just get comfortable, uh but dude, they. I mean, this was really the Mother's Day massacre performance. It was. It was, it was just. On, it yeah. was just on the road. In it was Game Seven.
0: Very reminiscent of that Mother's Day massacre on that 2011 team, that had one superstar surrounded by just the right pieces, and in it, it, Dirk being there for this game and and walking over and hugging Luca and them sharing a moment. You know, yeah, Luca's, Luca that. is that guy, man. He is an assassin. He's the dude. He is the John Wick of the NBA. Where you want to talk shit to him, and you want to flop, and you want to like complain see, and stuff, and he comes out and just slices you up, man.
1: I guess that's probably what I was trying to say. Is the the superstars of the superstars, right? And see, this is what I'm saying. Like, you could say Karl Malone was a superstar, and you'd be right. But he wasn't that next level of superstar where you play to the crowd, where you have the, you know, you, it's that charismatic it factor that takes you to the, to the next level that nobody but the greats of the greats go. And Lucas got that thing. Some of it is just understanding the moment and then performing in the moment. And then you get all the other stuff that goes after it. Like, okay, it's one thing to break the dude's ankles and make him fall. But then there's another one to measure it up and then hit the wide open three because we've seen it happen before and you're so wide open, you missed a shot.
0: Yeah, I mean, essentially we're talking about the difference between Luka Doncic and Chris Paul who fails again, just like he always has. Another time, And keep in mind, the Mavs were down two games to none in this series. Another yeah. series in which Chris Paul had a two-game lead and coughed it away. He was virtually... I, 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 I watched this the last few games and I wonder if he's just done. I mean, he was invisible until the game – the Mavs had a 45-point lead in the fourth quarter, and See, then he started we, to show up a little bit. I
1: th- and then it doesn't
0: matter. I think right. we talked about this earlier, I think. It's been so long ago.
1: I can't – I don't know. Is it Chris Paul or did Finney Smith and Reggie Bullock, just because of the size – I mean, did they just – Could be. Befuddle him in this series. And, you know, much like we the first two games with Jalen Brunson, we're like, okay – was it just a matchup against Utah that made him look electric? Because he ain't done nothing these first two games. And then he went back to being a 20-point scorer and an efficient player. And you're like, okay. And now the, the, the next best thing happens again. You get what? One more sample size of Brunson in the playoffs um, to just solidify that he is who you think he is before you hopefully, Mark Cuban, write this five-year ridiculous check.
0: Uh, sign him to this ridiculous contract. Yeah, and, and you know, when you when you go back and you look at this game against the Suns, I mean, it it was one of those things where Paul Booker and Ayton were a combined one of 15 from the field in the first half and had six points combined. Now and, see that's pressure, bro. I mean that that's just unbelievable. I mean you can't have three guys that are supposedly on that level scoring six points for you in game seven of a playoff series.
1: No, that's what I mean. That's just pressure. The the pressure got to them. Because the pressure, when I say the pressure got to them, it's just that um, they started to press. They started to feel it. They started to, uh, you know, maybe their shots were a little short, maybe they're a little long. You're guiding the ball instead of just shooting it, letting it go. You're feeling the pressure because it was all on them. 64 wins during the season, best home record, best road record, you know, the point differential off the chain. They controlled the NBA all year, and they were supposed to win. And so when they didn't get off to a fast start and play from ahead and bully people like they've done most of the year and like they did the first two games of this series, they panicked because they're like, oh, shit, we don't want to lose.
0: Well, they did. And I mean, it, it, it was just I thought it was wild. I mean, even like at halftime, Shaq's on the, the national broadcast singing deep in the heart of Texas. You know, just laugh like everybody knew. And and Barkley's sitting there going, I don't know what's going on. Like, I can't believe this. Like, I think everybody was so stunned. They talked about it on the broadcast multiple times. Not that the Mavs were winning, but that they were doing it in a fashion where Phoenix, at, at one point in the third quarter, it looked to me like Phoenix had just quit. And then when they pulled all their starters, basically in the fourth quarter, they got a little fight in them. And that's what was so wild was the Mavs led by so much going into the fourth quarter That if they had just scored 10 points, Phoenix would have had to have scored 50 points just to tie the game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was. I mean, they just they just put it out there. And uh, you're right. And the the opposite happened for the Mavericks. Once they got the lead, all their role players, there felt no pressure because they were up ahead. So what they do, they played even better because there was no pressure. You come in the game, you're up 20, Ain't no pressure. Let's just go have fun.
0: Yeah, and, and it, it feels like they're playing with a little bit of a chip, and, and they kind of alluded to this somewhat in the postgame comments, talking about everybody picked the Suns to win, and everybody said, oh, this is going to be a blowout. Well, it was, but not the way you guys thought it would go. And for whatever reason, I mean, a lot of talking heads thought the Mavs were just going to get their ass kicked in this game. And I, I just wow. never understood that because I thought, you know, Luka Doncic is the guy who I know he's a very young career. But Luka in elimination games, one thing in playoff games, and in elimination games, he plays at a level that we have rarely ever seen. Rarely ever seen. Now, yeah, the question becomes, do do the role players have enough? They did tonight, and you kind of wonder as they move on, the confidence they gain from winning this series. I mean, let's make no mistake about this. The Dallas Mavericks can win an NBA championship this season.
1: Oh, there's no doubt about that, Doug, because just look at who's left. None of those teams, I mean, you respect those teams because one, they're left, and two, you know, Golden State's got championship pedigree. But the teams on the other side of the bracket, this version of the Boston Celtics ain't won shit. This version of the Miami Heat ain't won shit. Mm -hmm. The Mavericks ain't won nothing. Only team that's won something is Golden State. Uh, So, but golden state's an aging team now they get you with guile and and all that other stuff if it's close at the end because they know how to win they know how to finish they've been through they won't they won't crumble under pressure uh not with their trio of uh clay thompson and steph curry and draymond green um so it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough tough task to beat them just because they got that mental thing but dude none of the none of the other three teams left scare you but in their cities, what are they also saying, Matt? Oh, none of the three teams. I mean, what are they saying in Golden State? They're like, hey, look at the three teams left. They ain't never won nothing. We got this. Nobody said it'd be easy, but we got
0: this. Yeah, and I, th- I still think there's a lot of belief that the Mavs aren't going to beat the Warriors nationally. And Luca, I mean, this is a dude who all throughout his life has been playing in games like this and has been winning and has played with teams that are lesser than and taking them further than they were supposed to have gone. I mean, even getting into the Olympics last summer for the first time ever with Slovenia, like they weren't supposed to be doing that. That's who this guy is. They can beat the Warriors, and I think they believe they can beat the Warriors because of the fact they just took out the Suns. It is going to be a tough task. But I'm telling you, man, I mean, the fact that they took down the Suns, they can beat any team in the NBA. Are they going to win the NBA championship? I don't know. It would, it would be stunning. I don't think any of us in our wildest dreams thought Dallas was going to win an NBA championship this year. But, man, no. we, we've got that guy. We have him. And I, who knows what the hell he can accomplish.
1: Dude, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, I would, I would tell y'all this. The same thing I told my son at his baccalaureate. This as it was ending, we had a moment. We were outside talking for a few minutes, and I told him, "I said, hey, man, just really this whole senior week, man, where people are catering to you and it's all these activities. I said, just really enjoy it, man, because they ain't gonna never be like this again. Because when you graduate from college, it's not like this. Yeah, it's so really just just enjoy the week, man. Really enjoy it." I'm going to say the same thing about Luca, man. This is a different – he's even a different kind of superstar than Dirk. You know yeah, what i Yeah, for sure
0: he is, yeah. So
1: what I'm saying is on those nights where you get frustrated by his step-back threes that don't fall, and, you know, the nights where he doesn't play good defense, just remember what you're looking at. And for the next, you know, 15 years – just really enjoy what you got,
0: man. Because this dude is rare. He is, and, and the fact. I mean, well, even? I mean, honestly, even if they don't beat the Warriors, how many of us believed when they traded Kristaps Porzingis? How many people thought, oh, the Mavs will? Wind, they've got? A, they'll probably wind up in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, they haven't been here since 2011. Obviously, they. They. Our goal, my goal, was just win a playoff series. Right, And they did that, and then they've punched through that. And I think Luka now, I mean, Luka can taste this thing, man. And I think this team's playing with a lot of confidence. It'll be interesting to see. I'm glad they've got two games off. It's interesting now because, yeah, it was a physical, it was a tough, long seven-game series. But still, when they get to Golden State on Wednesday, they'll only have played one game in five days, which isn't too bad because they had the two-day break before game seven. They played the game seven and now they're off Monday and Tuesday with the series against the Warriors slated to start. It'll be a seven o'clock tip. Maybe it's an eight o'clock central tip in Golden State for game one on Wednesday night. And so I, I think they should be fresh. They should be ready to go. I honestly don't know what to expect. I really don't. They were neck and neck. They finished one game behind Golden State in the regular season this year. In the way that they played against Phoenix, and the way Luca's capable of playing, I would not be surprised at all if we're watching the Mavericks in the NBA Finals.
1: No, I mean I wouldn't. Uh, I think um, I think it's a different kind of test for them. But here's the deal, man, and, and we haven't talked very much about it. Uh, but it's two it's two prong. The first prong is, you know, I, I get what the Mavericks are doing, but everybody thought Phoenix would win because. They had the best record in the nba and two they had destroyed you three straight games at the crib and you hadn't beaten them in 12 straight i think in in phoenix so it was it was okay to assume phoenix would win um it's uh this series is different though man um and the the second prong is you know jason kidd and his coaching staff put on a show bro um the adjustments they made throughout the series Even to the final game where they looked at it and they said, you know what? Chris Paul ain't done shit in three games.
0: Let's just
1: or four games. Let's just assume he won't do anything in this one either. So let's not respect him as a ball player. Uh, Devin Booker is the one who can really bust us. Let's just decide that he ain't going to do that tonight. So let's let's blitz him. At every opportunity, double-team him all the thing, take the ball out of his hands, make every shot. Devin Booker's our sole focus, man. And uh, shoot, they executed
0: it perfectly. And Jason Kidd's coaching, man. poof, phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, he was obviously the right hire. The Western Conference Finals, the Dallas Mavericks are playing in the Western Conference Finals. It's incredible. I, 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 I just, I cannot wait. I'm stoked. Game one, Wednesday, Game two will be Friday in Golden State. And then games three and four, obviously, in Dallas. Game three will be Sunday with game four slated for next Tuesday. So all the way through this series, they're doing the every other day thing. It doesn't look like there's a planned two-day gap at any point. And and we'll see what to think, but I know the Mavs are capable. And I got to tell you, man, honestly, at the Mavs, I thought if the Mavs got past Phoenix, they might win the NBA title. And now it's like, okay, this is another test. This is going to be another hard-fought series. I, I it, nothing Luca's going to do now. I mean, for all I know, he's just going to go out and win himself an NBA championship and be like, fuck it. I'm here. I'm winning a title. You guys don't have to get a number two. I'll just do what I got to do. <laughs> I'm serious. Like he's like, he's almost times capable of playing that way where he's like, "No, nah, we're not going home. I have, I've been, I haven't shot that well. All these other games. Cool. It's game seven. This is what I do. And he's been doing it his whole life. His whole life as a basketball player, this is where Luka Doncic has been, and he's been in these situations since he was like 12.
1: Uh, you know, Kim, Tim Cato wrote something similar to that in The Athletic uh, that you should check out last week. But nah, man, they have they have legitimately as good a chance as anybody to win the NBA title. Um, but it's going to take what happened in this series, which is the team has to show up. And what I mean is... Their defense, I'm convinced, will show up in you know six of the seven games that they play against the Warriors if it goes seven. Um, but you know, Finney Smith got him a game with his 24 points. Reggie Bullock got him a game with his 19 that he had in Game Six. You know, Kleber Bertans had games um, against Utah uh, where they you know where they helped him win. Yeah. Um, you got to get that again, and with this team, it's a bunch of role players with Lucas. So you, you know, the hard part is you never know where it's coming from. But now we kind of assume Brunson's going to give you a certain manner. It's about you know who's giving you that game that gives you that third score, that other guy, so that you can win offensively. Um, and that's what this series is going to be. Can they continue to get performances from their role players?
0: Uh, to help him win yeah it's just it's incredible so we'll get ready for it we'll have more on the Wednesday version of the podcast as we will look ahead to what will be by the time we get to Wednesday that'll be game one and then we'll see taking a deeper dive into Golden State and Dallas man and and I mean just keep saying that to yourselves the Dallas Mavericks are going to the Western Conference Finals it's badass enjoy it because obviously it doesn't happen a lot Maybe it's about to start happening all the time around here, but man, it, it's just not something that as a Dallas Mavericks fan we are used to experiencing all that often that they are going even just to the to the Western Conference Finals with a chance, and I thought this would be weird because Miami's probably the better team in the East. Wouldn't it right. be fitting that Dallas makes the NBA Finals and again has to play the frickin' Miami Heat? Dude, it's, it's almost getting to be like the Cowboys and the Steelers. It is, man. I mean, that's one of those things. So what is this, the fifth time I think that the Dallas Mavericks have made the conference finals because they did it in 88. And then there was 03, remember, because they lost to the Spurs, 06 and 11. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So this is the fifth time ever that the Mavs have made it to the conference finals. So enjoy it. So here we are, and we move forth. The Dallas Stars season comes to an end. And this is again this is weird when we do the podcast like this because it is currently for us as we are recording this a few minutes after midnight the Dallas Stars season just ended uh, late into the first overtime in Calgary game 7 they lose 3 to 2 and you know it, it, it's really interesting cuz I was texting one of my best friends Nick because he's also a huge Stars fan and watches all the games and there're just so many times in this game where we couldn't believe that dallas was in this thing the performance that we got from the 23 year old goaltender jake ottinger i mean quite honestly this game probably should have been five to two six to two there were multiple times there were at least four times before they scored in overtime where i thought they had ended it and ottinger somehow made the save including like a
1: couple minutes before the game actually ended yeah uh i mean he was spectacular man this um uh to me it was I'm like you I'm watching the game at one point they were outshot 34 to 10 or something like that then it was like 50 something to 20 I mean you just can't get outshot by that volume and expect to win um by the time I really tuned into the game it was 2-1 stars and I was like oh my god they got a shot because I don't know if the goalie's gonna give up another goal but then bro I don't think I saw the stars take a shot (laughs) for like 10 minutes of action. I was like, geez. Yeah,
0: in the second period, I think they only had four shots the entire second period. They actually ended up having more shots in the third period than the Flames did. But, I mean, look, the reality of it is they had 28 shots and Calgary had 68 shots. Calgary put 40 more shots on goal than the Stars did. And and that's what's so crazy is you look at this and you say, you know what? Markstrom was good. He had a 93% save percentage, stopped uh, 26 of 28 shots. Jake Ottinger lost a game seven in which he had 65 saves for almost a 96% save percentage, and he lost the game. I, I don't even know what to say. But the better team won. Calgary is so much better than Dallas. They're the better team. They, they deserve to go to the second round. The fact that this was even a series, that this was a game, that it went to overtime, that they had a shot, that's why every single one of those stars at the end of the game skated over to Ottinger and just gave him a hug, talked to him into his ear. All the flames. I mean, they even talked about it on the broadcast, on the ESPN broadcast that I was watching, because obviously I don't get the local feed. But they were talking about how, man, this is the handshakes line has taken a while because every single one of the flames is stopping and talking to Ottinger longer than you normally would.
1: I think you saw a star was born, man, and this is, to me, really, bro, what I love the most about sports, because, you know, we talk all the time, I tell you, I love greatness, and I'm not saying Ottinger's
0: greatness yet,
1: but I'm saying there's nothing better to me than dudes in professional sports who embrace whatever moment there is and just turn that 12-letter cuss word out because it's, they're doing it at the highest level of competition, at the biggest game, and they just dominate in their own way. And, you know, that's what Ottinger did for this series, man. And he served notice to the league. Yo, here I am. And uh, it's great when you see a young guy do that and announce to the world that I have arrived.
0: Yeah, and that's why, like, honestly, again, like, I mean, I watched it, and when they scored, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it, because Dallas is just not – a lot of people thought there are multiple previews that I read that had at most the Flames winning in five or the Stars getting swept. And the fact that they got this to an overtime in game seven, and they had their chances Pavelski had a nice chance in overtime, Sagan had a chance, and they just couldn't. Shockingly, they couldn't put the freaking puck in the back of the net. And man, they're off. I mean, they could not get established in the offensive zone. It was so frustrating because you're watching this and you're just going, my God, I hope I hope Ottinger likes rubber because he's just getting belted, man.
1: Yeah, that's just there was at a certain point you go unless they get a fluke goal somehow. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just a matter of time until Calgary scores. You can't give a good team that many shots, that many opportunities, that many chances, and and not have them eventually put one in. Although I gotta tell you, I watched the highlight of the game winner and uh, dude, I watched about five times. I still couldn't really tell how it got in.
0: Yeah, it looked to me, because they didn't really have, at least the ESPN feed, or the T, yeah, it was ESPN2, that they didn't have, like, an angle where you could really tell what happened, but it looked to me like he got to it, and it's one of those where you're shooting basically at the red line, and the angle is so weird, and the fact that Ottinger had just made two point-blank saves in a row, and nobody could clear the puck, none of the stars could move their legs to clear any bodies out of the way, and it looked to me like it was one of those that kind of probably hit him, and like in the upper shoulder in the back, and went in back behind him.
1: Oh, okay, because I was still baffled by it, uh, but I couldn't even say anything, man. And that, you know, I haven't watched very, dude. I haven't watched very much hockey at all this year, uh, which is a little disappointment because of the Bally situation. Um, but this game is also what I love about hockey: um, the way they scored. Uh, the way they scored their second goal to tie it up just kind of came out of nowhere. It was like, boop, boop, there's there's a goal. And even this, my point is, you just never know when the goal is going to come in hockey. You just watch the action, and voila, there's the goal. And uh, that's kind of what I love about
0: it. Well, and it was nice because Jamie Benn scored 30 seconds or 40 seconds, whatever it is, into the game right off the bat. And you're like, all right, Ben showed up and did what he needed to do tonight and gave you the one nothing lead. And then Calgary tied it. And then immediately when Calgary tied it, Dallas scored like 30 seconds after that to take it back 2-1. It, it, it was a solid game, solid effort. But again, this, the stars just don't have enough. And the fact that Hints didn't play tonight because of injury, you, you, you were without one of your top three scorers in the regular season – Robertson playing in his first playoffs Robertson, who was dominant in the regular season only had one goal in seven games. So it's little things like that where you just, if the guys, and we talked about this in a couple other podcasts, one, the guys are paying the most money to, you know, like Radulov isn't even playing. He was a healthy scratch. Jamie Benn got a goal, but Sagan really didn't do anything. And you were without hints and Robertson had one goal in seven games. Those are your top five scorers right there. Essentially.
1: Again, you can't win if your best players don't perform at the highest level. You got that from Ottinger, but everybody else, uh, you know, Heskinen did what he did. But your top offensive guys, the guys who are supposed to score, bro, they got to perform. They got to figure out a way to get it done. And, uh, you know, played hard, tried hard, couldn't get it
0: done. Yeah, and then, I mean, it's – it's just wild. It's it's a lot of people on social media. I had a couple of you that tweeted at me and said, you'd never watched hockey before, but it was Calvin. Calvin tweeted, said, I've never watched a hockey game in my life, but damn, this was a good game. That goalie was fantastic. 4th Street Chuck tweeted at me, he said, number 29 turned me into a Dallas Stars fan, good game. So wow. I think you saw a little bit of people, it's the only thing on, it was late, probably a lot of on social media, people just jumping on watching it and you know, playoff hockey will hook you if you've never been a hockey fan. So we'll yeah, see. We'll see what the stars do in, in the offseason moving forward from here. But you look at it, man, and that 2017 draft class is almost like the 2016 Cowboys draft class. And Ottinger finally has a ride. But that draft class for the stars in 2017 Miro Haskin and Jake Ottinger in the first round, Jason Robertson in the second round. And then you saw a little bit of Jacob Peterson in this series. He's number 40, the real young kid. He was a fifth rounder. All four of those guys going to be key pieces all coming from that same draft back in 2017. How about that? Yeah, so there it is, man. Tough one. Sucks to lose because you'd love to keep watching the games, but... Uh, we'll be back next season and and, and see what version of the Stars shows up. A lot of changes on the way, I think. There's going to be, they're going to try to move some things around and, and position this, I think, so that that, that young core kind of that I just named, they can start building around those guys as they make that transition from what this team had been, really from the cup run a couple of years ago. But right. Stars losing seven, man. Overtime, overtime hockey, it's, God, it's intense. It's like... I saw somebody tweet out, it's like, the only thing that this, you can compare overtime hockey to would be snorting cocaine and then riding a motorcycle out of a helicopter. <laughs> well, damn. I was like, yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, you know, your heart rate's wow. up, you're stressed, you're jumping off the couch, you're like, ah, oh, it's just. Uh, ah. boy,
1: I got to tell you, since a lot. You, you open up the door to that, uh, this is a brief exit ramp. I was downtown uh, two days ago, minding my own business at a stoplight and I, the light turns green, and next to me there's a motorcycle. And for the first time in my life, I see the dude to the right of me five feet away pop a wheelie and ride a wheelie. <laughs> you
0: sent me that video.
1: For like, you know, well dude, that yeah. was the third one. I was so shocked by the first one that then I picked my camera up but I'm trying not to have a wreck because I'm going slower down the street. Yeah, But then he pops another one, and he's keeping these wheelies back almost to the ground um dude for like you know 10 15 seconds and then finally got my phone up and i took the last one and i was just like this is insane yeah i, I mean i
0: to pop a wheel i like i mean dude that's crazy you've never seen that before no not in person interesting yeah i've seen it before a few times and it can be really freaky because you're just thinking surely they're gonna wreck and cause like a massive wreck or something
1: Well, the streets were fairly empty, and so even though it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like it was late. Whenever I sent it to you, it was like 9 o'clock or something. But I was just like, wow, I've never seen it up close and personal. That takes a lot of balls. Yeah, it does. It does take a lot of
0: balls. So maybe he was just getting ready for some overtime hockey.
1: Well, he pulled into Fuel City Tacos, so maybe he was going to get some tacos. Maybe he
0: was. Who knows? (laughs) All right. So let's take this trip around the block here. And I've got a couple of things for you here. One of those, you remember a while back, we were talking about how Six Flags was going to deploy this all you can eat pass. Vaguely. Yeah, this this is like maybe a year ago, sometime in 2021, where they had kind of talked about, hey, we're going to have this all you can eat pass and you can come in and And I think what it was, it was $80 and you could buy that so that when you're in the park and you have a bunch of kids with you or whatever, hey, you know, we can all eat and we're not breaking the bank, essentially. Okay, I'm down for that. I always like like to not break the bank. They are, they're ending what was known, it was a monthly meal plan and they are ending it. it it, apparently it's because what it is is the past gave you two meals a day one snack and unlimited drinks for two hundred dollars a year and you could buy it each month if you wanted to get it so one snack and unlimited drinks for two meals one snack and unlimited drinks for two hundred dollars a year
1: I think it just depends on how many times you go.
0: Right. Well, and that's why they're dropping it is because apparently last year, some dude on TikTok went viral because he has been nicknamed the Six Flags Scoundrel, showing himself taking advantage of the monthly plan. And he says, that's 400 meals and 200 snacks a year for $200. I live less than 10 minutes from a Six Flags. (laughs) So I decided to start going and he wasn't going on the rides or anything. He was just going into the park to eat and then leaving. Okay, but don't you have to pay to get into the park? I don't know, man. I think it's part of the pass or something that when you buy this, that you can get in and it allows you to have unlimited, uh, the unlimited stuff.
1: Well, good for him. I mean, you know, man, everything's got a loophole. Somebody found a loophole. I wouldn't call him the Six Flags scoundrel. You know what, man? See, this is the difference in mindset. If you're Six Flags, you could call him the Six Flags scoundrel and be mad because he's taking advantage of a loophole so to speak or you could say our food is so good this dude joe blow (laughs) is committed to coming here every day to eat you too should come get some of these snacks and you do like they made jared before he became a pervert with subway you you make him a spokesperson because our food and our stuff is so good he passed by all these fast food restaurants and all these restaurants on during the 10-minute drive here because our food is the best
0: Yeah. And and so essentially what happened was Six Flags says that the plan had too many things attached to it. It, The heavy discounting on food, there were no blackout dates and you got free parking. And they say that the meal plan was just very unprofitable, as as you might imagine, and that it was causing delays for daily customers who were trying to get food while other customers were taking advantage of using the meal pass and all that. So he, they've just decided to drop it, and they're trying to figure Sounds out something. Sounds like it was too successful. Yeah, it was. I mean, obviously. And then they realize, like, oh, my God, everybody got this, and we're, we're hemorrhaging money on food now. <laughs> so they're dropping that, and they're going to try to come up with something else and do something different to, you know, I, I would wonder, like, in this day and age, if you're not Disney World or something, I kind of wonder how profitable, like, Six Flags and theme parks like that are anymore. That's a good question, because you always wonder what it costs – to uh,
1: To get to keep the roller, the roller coasters and everything running yeah. properly because all it takes is one mistake and boom, you're done.
0: Yeah, exactly, man. And, and just, you know, I don't know, and I know this is, it's a much younger person's thing, but like my son has never asked me, like he wants to go to Disney World, but he's never asked me, hey, can we go ride roller coasters or go to an amusement park or anything like that? I remember as a kid kind of being into it a little bit, but I just don't hear a lot of people talking about that type of amusement park anymore.
1: No, I was going to say my dude uh, and his friends used to go for a little bit, but, uh, you know, they had a summer where they did that, but it was just one summer. And then they kind of, uh, you know, didn't go anymore.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I remember when I was 13 years old, I had a day pass where I could go every single day to wet and wild what what's it called now like hurricane harbor or whatever it's called but there, there used to be one in garland over off 635 and that's where we would go and me and two of my friends we had passes and you know our moms would drop us off and we'd be there all day and then they'd come pick us up a few hours later and and we we did that probably two three times a week all summer long
1: uh aj had one of those uh summers like that where they had a pass to hurricane harbor and they were there quite a bit uh, him and his boy. It was right when he was probably sixteen, because his friend had just learned how to drive. So. Nice. Yeah, it was nice, but uh, you know, I was stressed out. His friend driving him. I'll him bet. and his friend driving to Arlington.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it to you. But you know, when you're that age, man, there is nowhere else better in the world to be than a swim park where other teenage girls are walking around in bikinis. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. That's why we loved it. We're like, oh, my God, these girls are not wearing their clothes. They're just in bathing suits. You know, you'd stand in line, try to talk to one of them in line. Are you going to go down the slide? Like, I'm in line for the slide. Me, too. (laughs) Awesome. You know, so lame when you're that age. So the other thing, and I don't know if you're familiar with this at all, but Rapscallion, the restaurant on Greenville Avenue, has been there for 7 years and they closed their doors on Saturday. They are no more. No?
1: It never uh been there. What what was their deal?
0: I don't know. I mean, it was just like a nice like neighborhood bistro type place that was kind of a little bit nicer on the inside and had a cool patio just right there right. on on Greenville Avenue and I think like they said it came down to like a simple cost benefit analysis, but the the guys that are behind that also run the Boulevardier, the Veritas Wine Room, and the Hillside Tavern. So they had some other concepts that apparently were doing much better, and they just went ahead and decided to pull the plug on Rapscallion. Oh, uh,
1: all right. Well, I always hate to see local business go for whatever reason.
0: Yeah, man, because that one, and that, I mean, again, seven years, and it, it feels like it's gotten to a point with Greenville now where they have done, they've basically turned everything over because seven years doesn't seem like a long time. And that's one of like the last things that have been there. For a while, wow.
1: For wow. whatever
0: reason, yeah, I don't know what it is. Like Greenville's just kind of turned things around, I guess, flipped them and done it different.
1: I'm gonna say, is Greenville still a hot spot to go with all these other pockets?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's there's still some cool things down there. I don't think it is what it once was, but like Truck Yard is down there, you know, and that's obviously an extremely popular place. And there's some other different little restaurants that are in that area that. I think it kind of comes and goes, you know. Dallas is is weird like that, where it, like a, the pocket will be really hot for a few years, and it kind of fades off, and another one pops up, and they're always still there. They just kind of it seems like they rotate in popularity in a sense. True that. True that. Seems like anyway. So, you know, if you like rap scallion, well, sucks for you because it's gone, <laughs> and there is no more rap rap scallion for you to enjoy. So, you know, last year we talked about my book reading and, and how I just blew through a bunch of books. So, You're Right. This year I've been reading and I just wrapped up my 22nd book of the year yesterday.
1: That seems like a lot.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm pacing nicely where I might be able to get 50 this year, which would be impressive. But I got to tell you cuz I read all the Dexter books and then I read all the Gray Man books, all 11 books in the Gray Man series. Good Lord. And then last week I knocked out the new Bob Herrig wrote a book called the, it was the rivalry between Tiger and Phil, which was really kind of interesting the way that he wrote that book. And I, I mean, I read that in like three days. It was an easy read, really kind of an interesting look at, at their like it was more so comparing their careers parallel with each other and kind of the rivalry of what it was and where it's at now, which was interesting. Okay, where was it? Because I don't really remember it. Well, they, they just never really, you know, it was one of those things where I think Tiger just came on tour and Mickelson, when he got into the PGA Tour, and I don't think I realized this, I mean, he was a dominant college golfer. He was like the next hotshot big thing. And there was that whole thing when Tiger showed up and immediately wins like eight majors and is shattering all these records. And Phil Mickelson won a ton on the tour, but it took him forever to get his first major. And then all the things that were happening to Tiger later in his career, and then Phil started to win. And, and we like Tiger wins the Masters a couple of years ago. What an incredible story. We all go crazy. I think a lot of people forget Phil Mickelson won the PGA Championship last year at the age of 50 and is the oldest major winner ever. Oh yeah, definitely forgot that. (laughs) Yeah, man. So, it's it's one of those things where it just kind of went back and forth, like the different things and how they had been paired together on the Ryder Cup team once, and it was horrible. And like, just I think as time had gone by, they kind of softened up with each other, and and Tiger especially. And it was just, it was an interesting read. It's kind of how
1: come how come they didn't get along.
0: I, I, I just Tiger, is I think more competitors. So. Well, apparently, and this goes way back a long time ago that Phil and Tiger, when Tiger first came on tour, they played a practice round together. And Phil apparently is notorious. Like he always wants to play for money. Like, and I didn't know this, like Phil Mickelson will play for money. Like he'll just invent little bets and stuff in the middle of the round during the PGA tour with his playing partners.
1: Well, I ain't surprised. I just read something the other
0: day that he lost $40 million gambling. And so I think originally, like he and Tiger played a practice round together and they had a bet going and Tiger beat Phil and had to pay him $500. And he took a picture and photocopied the five 100s and put a note in Tiger's locker at the tournament that week that said, thanks for the five Benjis. They're enjoying hanging out with me. And apparently that pissed off Tiger to the point where he never, ever played another practice round with Phil. And like after that, just wanted to whip his ass and everything they did. And Phil was notorious for like needling guys and like, like talking trash and stuff while they're playing, you know, and Tiger was always just so tunnel focused. And I think just that dynamic of their whole careers where Phil was the people's champion and Tiger was like this robot machine assassin that nobody could catch. Just two of the greatest golfers of all time and in, in totally different ways was kind of, I think where the, is really why Tiger just didn't like Phil.
1: No, I get that. That makes sense to me.
0: And there's some stuff like, like Steve Williams, Tiger's old caddy is in there and he's quoted as saying how he always thought Phil was a prick and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, geez, <laughs> man. I mean, so who knows? I don't know. It seemed kind of cool. He seemed like a good dude. Phil was always kind of that way. So I get that. Yeah, man. So just, I thought that was interesting. And now I started reading, I don't know if you know, well, yeah, you do. Because you know Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. But Bob Odenkirk, who plays the character Saul Goodman, and used to write for Saturday Night Live, he wrote a memoir that came out in March, I think. And so I just started reading that yesterday. and. You know, I've I'm only gotten like a couple of chapters into it, but he's a he's a guy that I've always thought has had an interesting career and I love the character Saul Goodman. So I thought that might be a cool read. So I'm, I'm on book yeah. 23 right now.
1: now. That's a terrific character, man.
0: It or is. He a brought it character. to life. I don't know if that's how it was
1: written, but he brought it to life. He's kind of quirky, weird, sneaky,
0: shaky, uh, shady. Yeah. All those would be uh, apt descriptions of him. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. He's made himself
0: likable. Yeah, and you know, I, I didn't realize, and I don't know, maybe I, I just wasn't thinking, but so Better Call Saul, which is in their final season right now, they're doing a split final season where they just had the fifth episode this past week, and then I think they have two more episodes, and then it's going away, and it'll come back in July where they will have the final six episodes, which is, I, I don't know why they're doing that.
1: They're doing the Ozarks thing?
0: I, I, I guess, man, but it, it just... Like that seems weird to me cuz that's barely a that, that's like a month break for whatever reason and it doesn't even seem to be a reason. Like why would you I don't know. It's like they're taking off 2 weeks or something like that, skipping 2 weeks and then coming back in July, which is odd.
1: Yeah, I just thought they were always doing that to get awards and stuff.
0: I don't know, man. I don't know that it, it would have something I don't know what the deadline would be or what they were trying to do if they're trying to split it cuz it's not a big split. You know, that's the thing. It, it's a really really little split. But we'll see cuz Fifth season, have you been watching Better Call Saul at all?
1: Yeah, but it's been disjointed. Like, I watched the first three, and then I was trying to watch it uh, while I was doing something yesterday for the first time. So I was, you know, I'm a couple of weeks behind. I got you.
0: Yeah, and it's, I got to say, week the fourth and fifth episode, it's just, they. it seems like they're doing some interesting character development that I don't know that we need at this point in the series. and. Yeah, because you're about to go away. Yeah, and and I'm just like, man, these last couple of episodes have been really kind of slow, and I don't know, hopefully we'll get a little bit of resolution in the next couple of episodes. It's just, and I keep waiting for Walt to show up, and he hadn't been in it yet, and there's been five episodes, so maybe we'll get some Walt White here pretty soon. Who knows?
1: Yeah, maybe they're uh, saving him for the last ones to, uh, to to ensure they get the ratings they want, or he'll be the cliffhanger going into the last ones yeah it could be
0: i I, I don't know what the case is going to be with that but only eight episodes left ever of better call Saul, so we'll see how it merges with breaking bad all right as we move forward here of course let's tell you about freeway tire shop jr and his guys and the crew that he's got the work that he does the mechanic you can trust that he stands behind what he does and nobody that I have ever met could tell you better about him than Jacques, who probably I would imagine has a car there, or had one there the last couple of days, <laughs> or is taking one next week at some point.
1: Now I'm trying to give Jr. a break
0: right now, man. <laughs> he probably uh, my needs dude's, it. My,
1: my dude graduating, which means I'm inundated with uh, prom expenses and uh, graduation expenses, and so I am. Uh, I'm trying to lay low from Jr. But when I do take my cars over there, man, he's the best. Uh, the customer service is on point. The work and craftsmanship that they do is on point. And, you know, when you, when you don't fix cars, man, all you ever ask is, can I trust my daggone mechanic, man? Can you trust him to what? Diagnose the problem. What's wrong with my car, bro? Can you then you, you gotta trust him to put in quality parts, which they do, which means you don't have to bring it back for the same problem. Then, man, I trust you to just charge me a fair price, bro. Your labor. Yes, it doesn't have to be 17 million dollars an hour. And then finally, man, I trust him to stand by on his work. If anything ever goes wrong, you take it back, and they go, okay, yeah, fine. Let's uh, let's get it going, and then ship you off. It's never a question, never a complaint, nothing. It's He's got a great business, man. And I tell everybody, if you got a problem with your car, it's worth whatever it takes to go down 35, get off of Commonwealth, go through the light. Right into the parking lot and let JR fix your car.
0: Yeah, seems like you got it down, man. You would know, and that's why you go to Freeway Tire Shop. Online, freewaytireshop.com. You can schedule your appointment. You can request a quote. Let JR get his hands on your stuff, man. He'll fix it at Freeway Tire Shop. Also, of course, HFX Foundation Solutions. It is that time of the year when it starts getting hot and and the ground gets dried out and the next thing you know, you look over and you're like, holy crap, that's a massive crack in my floor. That could be a problem. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I know that Aaron and his guys, they're local, they're family-owned and operated at HFX Foundation Solutions. They can come over, they'll give you that free, no-obligation inspection, and they'll check it out. Maybe you do have something wrong. And if you do... The key is, especially with foundation repair, you want to get out ahead of it because the longer you wait with foundation issues, you're just putting your property at risk, costing yourself thousands and thousands down the road.
1: No, there's no doubt that that's an issue, man. So I I tell everybody, man, don't play with the soil and the foundation in Dallas, Texas in particular um give aaron and his people over there at hfx a call let them come by let them give you that peace of mind that comes with them checking out your house there's a reason why we call the it, colonoscopy it for your house they find it man if there's anything to find hopefully you get a clean bill of health and if not Hey, I guarantee it's going to cost you a fraction of the cost if you find it early than if you find it late.
0: It's easy, man. 817-770-0174. Again, it's a free, no-obligation foundation. They even offer third-party financing. If they do find a problem, then you need some help on your foundation. 817-770-0174 or online at hfxfoundation.com. It's back. We have not been able to do whispers from the star for a very long time. The main reason being that when COVID hit, they took away access to the locker room. So it's hard to get whispers when you can't be in a place where you're hearing people whispering. <laughs> that's, that's, that's one way to put it. But you finally have been able to get in there and get behind the scenes a little bit. And you guys probably remember this from the radio show. But it is the very rare with rookie camp this weekend. It is time now for whispers from the star.
1: Yes. Where's my theme
0: music? I mean, I'm an, I'll have that. to put it un, <laughs> underneath or something. I don't know. I mean.
1: Well, it's been so long, man. But uh, before we get into whispers and that news you can't see here, we get anywhere but the Jam Session podcast. Here's what happened, man. Because uh, I've had some conversations with the people over the last couple of months, and they said that they were going to open up the locker room. And I was like, I hope so, man. He said, no, no, I think with the protocols and everything else, we're really going to be able to open it up now. And so uh, when I had the rookies in this week, uh, they, they, they said locker room was open on Friday and Saturday. And so I moseyed out there on Saturday, and I got to be honest with y'all, I never got to the locker room because I was running a little bit late, so I was being escorted down. And you know what happens when you're running late? You get escorted. You start bumping into people. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't seen some of those people literally. In two years because i hadn't been in the cowboy's locker room in two years and so then during my escort the escort saw that people knew me so she, she was like okay and she just left And so <laughs> as i'm walking through the uh through the cafeteria area i'm running into everybody so i sat down there and talked to uh several members of the front office and support staff probably for a total of about 45 minutes <laughs> wow and the beauty of that is i wasn't really supposed to be there <laughs> awesome so with that let me tell y'all some of the stuff i found out during my trip to the star this week now hopefully see this is radio tease i'm stretching out make sure y'all hang on um hopefully and i've been told that this is the case that this is kind of like we're back to the new normal and the locker room will be open and uh we can get back to uh doing whispers from the star and the regular mm-hmm. and certainly uh certainly during football season uh, we don't anticipate any problem uh, getting it and uh, and bringing it to y'all uh, in the way we've always done it. So that's something to look forward to for the fall. But for now, let's talk about this because this name popped up. I asked somebody about it and its name is James Washington, because the conversation I was having was dipped Brown, CeeDee Lamb. And I said, because you ain't got nobody. If, uh, if CeeDee gets hurt, what about James Washington? Now, y'all can't see me rolling my eyes, but I rolled my eyes like James <laughs> Washington. I'm like, I like James Washington. I mean, y'all know me. I was like, come on, dog. We should talk about James Washington. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Trust me, you, you got you got James Washington all wrong. I said, really? Well, apparently, once the Cowboys signed him, three, not one, not two, but three people called your head coach and said, You guys got a good signing right there. Hmm that's what I said I said
0: okay. they told him
1: that they said yeah they said what happened to him was and this is this can happen to young receivers they said he got in the doghouse I said the coach's doghouse or the quarterback's doghouse I said I don't really know but he got in somebody's doghouse I'm betting it's the quarterback because the quarterback controls the ball but anyway dropped some passes, got in the doghouse and as they said they just never got out of it and they didn't take full advantage of a skill set they didn't use him the way he could have been used most properly and that basically what they're saying is the James Washington that you saw in Pittsburgh you know the guy whose best season is 44 catches 735 yards yeah. and three touchdowns way back in 2019 there's a better chance you see that guy than the guy who caught 24 for 285 and two touchdowns last year and that they love his ability to take the top off of defense. And they think in this offense, he will have some success. You know I me. Mean? What is What is success? He'll just be a good player. We ain't put no numbers on him. I said, oh, so y'all don't really think he all that. <laughs> no, he's good. He's good. But we just ain't put no numbers on him. Okay. But uh, that's the deal with James Washington. And I think, uh, let's see what he does. Because, uh, you know, I still got my doubts, man. But, hey, uh, we'll we'll see where he ends up. Uh, I had another conversation, man, about this, and it's, well, I'm trying to figure out, I'm going to start here, have you noticed the Cowboys getting bigger on defense, I mean they drafted your boy from Arkansas this year, Ridgeway, uh, who who, uh, the head coach refers to as a wide ass, (laughs) last year they drafted, uh, they had the other big guy, uh, now I can't remember his name because I had an old man moment, Uh, Starts with a B, Uh, but they got him. He's a wide ass. They wanted to get bigger on the defensive line. Uh, Mike McCarthy has said that one of the things he noticed when he got here that they just weren't physically imposing. He goes, now they've all got 34 inch arms uh they've got some big guys who can play the run and it just helps you be more sturdy against the run when you got some big guys up front no different than on the offensive line where you got big guys who can move piles and lean on you in the fourth quarter and if they've been leaning on you all game you tend to wear it down well the same thing goes on defense. If they've been rotating in and out and they're leaning on you then um you know there's a chance they can wear you down from a defensive standpoint and really start uh starting to putting some moves together and, and making some plays on a defensive line. Um, so we got a bigger defensive line, and we'll see how that works. Now, one of the most interesting conversations I heard yesterday had to do with the kicking, man. Now, who's that guy? They got Garibay. He's yep. a kicker right now. He's the kid on from the from Texas Tech,
0: they? yeah. Right,
1: who kicked a couple long game winners last year, one against Baylor and one against somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the, the question came up like, yo, how, you know, you got a good team why are you going with a young with such a young kicker I mean why not a veteran now the, the answer I got was well you saw the reserve line he was a veteran seems to me you wrote a few pieces saying he wasn't any good and to that <laughs> I started laughing <laughs> awesome. because there was some truth to that uh but here's the deal with that man um uh, Mike McCarthy was saying that the key to dealing with a young kicker is to understand there's going to be mistakes made, missed kicks, and such and such, and to have patience. Um, He mentioned a uh, punter that he let go too early who had like a 10-year career. He let go too early in Green Bay, and dude ended up kicking for like a decade in Seattle. Um, He also mentioned Mason Crosby. He said Mason Crosby was awful his rookie year. Uh, They they thought about cutting him two or three different times, and he was was, – you know, just not very good early on. Then he found his groove, and we know Mason Crosby has turned into one of the best kickers in the NFL. And so what I'm saying is, and this is really hard because the early season schedule for the Cowboys is going to be challenging, opening up with Tampa Bay and then playing Bengals. As you're breaking in, who's going to be a new kicker, whether it's Gary Bay or whether it's somebody else who beats him out. And it's all about, you know, how those guys handle the moment. And so the big kicks that he made for Texas Tech that he made, that he dealt with that win that's notorious at Jones Stadium in uh, Texas Tech. That all prepares him for whatever opportunities he's going to get in the NFL. Now, the conversation also shifted to Greg Zerline. And it turns out, now, this is just what it is, man. You know, some people say it's an excuse, some people say it's a reason. It's a nuanced conversation whenever you're talking about the difference between excuses and reasons. But what happened is they said because he had that surgery late, and greg actually wanted to have it early cowboys like you don't want to be messing around with your vertebrae and stuff in your back unless you absolutely have to so they put it off until they're like here's kind of like the drop dead date if we're gonna have surgery for you to be ready for the season so he had surgery but he was never ready for the season he was on kind of a pitch count all through training camp you know that's why he didn't kick in the preseason and stuff man and when it got to the season uh they said he just never found check this out a ball a consistent. Place to strike the ball like his his accuracy was all over the place because he never found that groove where his plant foot is here he kicks the ball here 99 of the time so much so that if you were using the same football you'd see it scuffed up at the same point because he's hitting it there every single time instead his was all over the place and that's why he had the, the inaccuracy and uh, you know i was told it was like three quarters through the season before he finally got into a little bit of a rhythm Well, we all know they gave away some games early because he missed field goals that could have stretched leads or missed field goals that could have made it so that you need a field goal to win at the end instead of a touchdown. And, um, you know, you shouldn't be surprised if he has a good year. I think he's with the Jets now because he's had the whole offseason to get ready and kick. But it'll be interesting to see how patient they are. I am reminded, uh, Babe Laufenberg reminded me, that Dan Bailey missed like a chip shot, 19-20 yarder, one of his first games with the Cowboys. They stayed with him uh, despite some some internal calls to get rid of him, and obviously he turned out to be a terrific kicker for a decade before he lost it. Just a couple tidbits here, man. Tank Lawrence looks great. Not only has he cut his hair, that doesn't have anything to do with him looking great, but apparently he's leaned up a little bit, wants to, wants to play a little bit lighter as he gets a little bit older. Uh, Dak Prescott, his weight hadn't really changed, but his body's changed. He's shredded some weight, added some more muscle, lean muscle mass. He's looking good. And uh, hey, bro, it's um, Terrence Steele is apparently uh, continuing to excel. He's uh, a svelte, three hundred and thirty-three pounds, but doing box jumps as much as uh, thirty-six inches, which is three feet for y'all. Yeah, that's, so that's impressive. Impressive for a big man. And that, my friends, is kind of like our our first episode of Whispers from the Star. We'll work on a little whoosh-whoosh and some theme music uh, down the road. Uh, But it's good to have our old friend back, and uh, we'll really be cranked up during the uh, 2022 football
0: season. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. And, and, you know, it's interesting. Bohana was the guy that you were talking about, the other big one that they drafted in the sixth round last year. Yeah. And James Washington, when they signed him, I, I thought, I wondered, and I know it was just kind of a throwaway signing, and it's hard not to wonder what happened to him in Pittsburgh because coming out of Oklahoma State, I mean, people forget that was a dude who had like back-to-back like 13, 1,400-yard seasons at Oklahoma State and averaged, for his career, he got 226 passes at Oklahoma State and averaged 20 yards a catch. Dude, well, I remember him there. Yeah, I mean, he, he could uh, burn, man. He was like a burner, and was drafted in the second round by the Steelers, and he actually showed some stuff his rookie year, and then for whatever reason, like the last couple of seasons, he's virtually been invisible in Pittsburgh.
1: Well, I told you, he got in the dog has a could up, bro. Yeah, it happens so, sometimes.
0: So we'll see, and, and and Jonathan Garibay will be interesting because he's a dude, as you mentioned, from from Texas Tech. He only missed two kicks all of last year. He missed one extra point and he missed one field goal. He hit 94% of his field goals last year at Tech, which led the Big 12. So maybe they do have like that next Dan Bailey, Mason Crosby type kid that comes into the league and is your kicker for a decade. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Let's hope so. Man, we forget how good Dan Bailey was for a long time. And then when he dropped off, man, I, mean, I th- he, just, he just dropped off.
1: <laughs> he basically got to kicking yips and just couldn't hit anything.
0: Yeah, and that was so weird because there was a while where kicker was just not at all. A, it wasn't yeah, even a conversation. He's probably automatic for five, six, seven years. Yeah, and he was what, seven years? Yeah, seven years here in Dallas and then he did those three in Minnesota and and, and that was it. But man, I mean, there was a couple of times. I mean, we're talking about a guy for for a while was making every year like ninety three, ninety four percent on his kicks.
1: I'd say for six years he was like ninety you know, eighty nine, ninety something percent. I mean, he just didn't miss.
0: Yeah, and then it just, I mean, when he lost it, he, Chuck Knobloch, lost that thing, man.
1: Well, I mean, I think that happens with kickers, man. When they lose it, they can't get it right, and It becomes mental, you know? You miss it to the left, so you overcorrect, then you miss it to the right, then you overcorrect, then you miss it to the
0: left. I mean, then it's all in your head. Yeah, that makes sense. So there you have it, a phenomenal podcast and a kick-ass, just random, out of the blue. Nobody was expecting that in the middle of May. Whispers from the Star. Enjoy your week. We will talk to you again in a couple of days. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course you can also find us on twitter at mcmatt radio and at jjt underscore journalist our podcast is sponsored by greening law a personal injury law firm in dallas texas greening law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal give them a call at 972-934-8900 greening law office dallas texas